You may be seated. Good singing this morning. We turn in God's Word to the book of Joshua this morning, chapter 6. For those of you visiting, we are on a series of messages uh, dealing with spiritual warfare. Uh, We come to the fourth on that part, that the battle is the Lord's. It's not our battle, it's the Lord's battle. And so the Lord gets to determine the means by which this is going to take place and the means by which it is going to happen. Uh, When I wrote up the uh, outline, I think I was a little overly aggressive And what uh, I thought uh, we could probably get through this morning. So, uh, and and in particular, because there there was just something that I just kept going back to as I was reading and studying, preparing. This word just kept coming back and kept coming back. And the sense of saying, okay, if we're going to prepare for spiritual warfare, this is a word that is important for us to understand in this day, in this age, and in this culture as well. So uh, if you have the outline, we're actually only going to cover the first part, the first point. And uh, Lord willing, we'll come back to the other two uh, after uh, RYS, the Lord willing. Joshua chapter 6, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. The priests shall blow the trumpets, and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua has commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going around it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark, walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day they rose early. At the dawn of day, 
and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest you have devoted them, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and and they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. That's far the reading of God's breathed out word to us. Let's bow in prayer again. Father, if ever there was a time when we should go into the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, and to find out about what it takes to be a a better spiritual warrior, that time is certainly now in this day and age. So we pray for Pastor Bob as he takes us through Joshua 6, and we pray that you will be with him in his delivery, and we pray that you will be with each and every one of us here in this building and and on on, at home. home on perhaps on uh, live stream but father be with all of us and to receive this message and take it unto our hearts all this we ask in Christ's name amen amen so the first point of this message is the Lord's instructions for marching the second point was going to be the Lord's instructions for battle thirdly the Lord's instructions about grace But those other two, as I mentioned, are to come. We're going to look just then at three things this morning in the Lord's instructions for marching. First of all, the Lord reiterates to Joshua where they are to march, the city. He comes to Joshua and he says, okay, now it's time to deal with Jericho, which is an interesting choice. You would think that perhaps to build their confidence, perhaps the Lord would have them go after some minor little towns. Let's get a couple of victories under our belt. Now, if you think about the way in which the boxing world works, if you desire to be a a heavyweight champion in the boxing realm, you don't go after the current guy who, who has the belt right away. Your first bout. Uh, you're probably going to be out within a minute. You work your way up, right? You, you take off, you take care of this guy, and then this guy, and then this guy. And then maybe after a few years, you get your chance, you get your opportunity to go after the reigning champion and seek to dethrone him. But that's not the way the Lord does it. He doesn't go after the, the little guys first to sort of build their confidence, it's no, we're going after the big city. 
We're going after the oldest known city of the world. We are going after a walled city. We are going after a large walled city. Estimates are that the old city of Jerusalem was probably encompassed about 100 acres. That's a fairly large track of ground if one stops to think about it. And then one thinks about the walls all the way around it. Walls large enough and thick enough that people can actually live in them. As we learn about Rahab. This is who God says, yeah, I want you to march. But I want you to go to Jericho. I want you to take the biggest, largest, most important city in this area of Israel first. Deal with them. A city that could be, that could hold out for weeks and weeks and weeks. Jericho is known as the city of palms. That We learn that even when we come into the New Testament. That, that it carries that same idea. And the reason it's the city of palms is it's an oasis. And there are springs there. These people are not going to run out of water. And this isn't one of those places where you can track down like they do with Jerusalem later on and cut off water supplies or sneak in through uh, the water trough type of thing. That's not that same kind of situation. They could hold out for a long period of time. Jericho. I want you to go after Jericho. That's the city. That's the place. And I want you to march around it. Now just think, first of all, of the lesson the Lord is bringing. What's the lesson? Joshua, this battle isn't yours. Because you and your men are not trained for this. You and your men never have dealt with this. Yeah, you've had some wars along the way. Yes, you took care of Shihon and Og. You, you took care of some Amalekites. Yep, you dealt with those guys along the way. But you've never dealt with a walled city. You've never really dealt with a full-scale trained army. What's the message? The battle is mine. The battle is mine. Look at how chapter 6 begins. Jerusalem or Jericho is shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. No one went in, no one came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given it into your hand. They haven't even fought yet. They haven't done any. They haven't even marched. And the Lord says, See, I have given it into your hand. The battle is the Lord's. It's a good lesson. It's a good reminder for us okay, as we increasingly come into the circumstances and situation of our day and age of the culture going against us. Right? Of the culture forcing itself upon us. If you want to know and, and know deference to the runners here this morning. But 
You, you want to know how bad it gets? Pella, Iowa, probably one of the most conservative localities, okay, on planet Earth, right? Still don't have businesses open on Sunday. Guess what? The city just decided that this young lady who wants to think of herself as a man can walk around a pool with only men's swim trunks on. Pella, Iowa. Okay? You don't think we're involved in a culture war? You, you don't think your children are going to be faced, whap in the face with this over and over and over again? You don't think we're going to get faced with this? You don't think they're just not going to pummel, 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 pummel? The battle is the Lord's. It's not our battle. See, what, what happens in these things is that people get all wound up and then they take it upon themselves. I'm going to go after this without the Lord saying it. I want you to go to Jericho. See, we take it upon ourselves and when we take it upon ourselves, we fail. Because the Lord is not with us. The Lord is not blessing this. We need to remember that the battle is the Lord's. He is the one. He is the one who controls. He is the one who controls even the marching. We don't get to decide any of this. We don't get to make up our own rules of conflict here. We don't get to make up our rules of engagement. We need to follow the rules of engagement that he has given to us in the word. How do we go about this? Well, I want you to notice, secondly, not just the city, but I want you to notice this procession. There is all sorts of detail. Most of this chapter, if you note, is about the details of the procession of the march. It actually is kind of anticlimactic when we get to the verse that says, and they shouted and the walls came down. It's like, that's it? I mean, don't we get verse and verse and verse and verse and verse describing this and the crumbling and the sounds of the walls? And No, people shouted, walls came down. But what I want you, God says, to take note of is the procession as to what is happening. So if you have the sermon outline, I, I made it a little easier for you. I put it on the opposite side. If we take what information we are given here, okay, this is what the procession looks like. So as they're walking around Jericho, in the front are some armed guards. They are in front of the priest. They're in front of the ark. First thing, armed guards. Not a big force, not the huge army. Some armed guards. Secondly, what's your next powerful thing? We got priests blowing trumpets. And they're not blowing trumpets out of nice brass instruments, nice polished 
shiny so the sun is glinting off them. They got a bunch of horns off rams, right, that make an absolutely horrible sound. It's an eerie sound that they make. It, this is not melodic. This is not like they're playing, lead on, O King Eternal, right? Okay? You're not playing that way. It's just a blare sound. That's all it is. So you got armed guards, you got the priests blowing trumpets, then you have priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now we understand that significance. We were there last week. We understand the significance. But think about the people at Jericho. They're carrying a box. That's kind of strange. A box. But what is that box? Well, it's the Ark of the Covenant, but it signifies, what did we say last week? The presence of God. And the presence of God, not just some attribute of God, not just part of God, but the fullness of God. That's what's there. Then what do we have? Then we have another armed guard. They're following behind the ark. But here comes the tricky question. Now if you listened, followed along the text, this is not a hard question. But if you go by your Sunday school paper, this might, you, if I had a show of hands, some of you are going to flunk. Who came next? The common answer that you have is, well, the people of Israel. Eh, sort of. The people who followed were Israelites. But when you use the term people of Israel, that would mean all of them. Men, women, children, everybody. No, verse 3. Verse 3, Joshua chapter 6. Who goes around the city? Just the men of war. Women and children aren't doing this. You don't take women and children into battle with you, men. You do the battle. You are the men of war. You are the men of valor. You need to stand up. The women and children are back at camp. Verse 3, clearly. You shall march around the city all the men of war going around the city once. There is no mention of women and children in this account. But what's that picture of? Let, let's step back, okay? And, and if we have, you know, cameras mounted on the city walls of Jericho, okay, watching what's going on, what are we actually seeing? What is this? We'd say, well, it's a procession. No, it's more than that. It, they're, they're, it's a procession, but it's a procession that makes a statement. This is a procession of triumph. This is what the kings do. They come back as the victors. How? With some elite force up front, with some trumpets blaring, then they themselves probably being carried 
right? Being lifted up on some chair or something. Then you have another elite force. And then what do you have? Then you have the entire army. And we're marching back. How? To war? No. This is a triumphal procession. This is what would happen after the war. This is what would happen after the walls are down. This is what would happen after they have defeated it. What's God doing? God's saying, already did it. We already won. You talk about a psychological warfare going on. All those people in those walls who are looking over the wall going, what are they doing? Oh, no, they're not saying, what are they doing? They're going, they're telling us they won. They're communicating to us the message, you're finished. You're over. You've already won. Who? God. The battle is the Lord's. And all that detail that we get out of chapter 6 about the arrangement and that it's repeated for us that this is the way they did it, this is what happened, reminds us of the fact that the battle is the Lord's. It's a march of triumph before the war even was fought. What did God say? I have given them into your hand. Thirdly, and this is what I kept coming back to, they're silent. They're silent. You walk, you don't say a word. You don't talk to anybody. You don't whoop it up. You don't yell taunts back on the other side. And I was struck by that because you know what we've read about these people for the last 40 years? Is they love to talk. Murmur. Grumble. Complain. You know what's interesting about this account? They do it. I want you to march in silence. And they march in silence. There's not a word spoken. Number one, it's, it's amazing because of their history of their past. So it got me to thinking, who is this intended for? Why does God say, I want you to walk around this town in this order, and I want you all to be quiet? Was he sending a message to Jericho? Well, maybe. But if you stop to think about it, Okay, the city is a walled city. It's a hundred acres that it's encompassing. My guess is they're probably not walking underneath the wall where somebody could like throw a stone over and hit you on the head. Probably not within archer distance. Okay, so you take a, an archer and you fire an arrow and you put it out there and you go, hmm, we got to stay that far away. How are the people of Jericho are you going to know if anybody talks? How are they going to know if, you know, Fred doesn't say to, to Joe, hey, I think this is kind of dumb. 
Nobody's going to know. Except who? Israel. The silence of the march is not for Jericho. It's for the Israelites. Be silent. Be still. What happens when you're silent and still? Well, Moses had already said in Exodus 14, 14, the battle belongs to the Lord. You just be still. You just be still and watch the salvation of our God. Hmm. It's the psalmist who keeps coming back and saying, be still, be still. And think of the Lord's salvation. It's that call of Habakkuk in chapter 2 verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. It's the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 53 verse 7. That he was like a lamb led to slaughter. And he opened not his mouth, the silence. And you come to Revelation chapter 8, where the Lamb is about to open the seventh seal, and the judgment of the Lord is about to follow. What do we read? And there was silence in heaven for the course of half an hour. What does silence do? Silence makes you think. Now, for some, silence makes you fall asleep. You take a nap and you snooze because it's too quiet. This is not that kind of silence. This is the silence that causes one to reflect. Imagine that. You're walking around the city. What are we reflecting on? God going before us. God's presence is with us. Before any sword is unsheathed, before any enemy is killed, before any shout is raised, God says, be silent. Be silent. Too often, you see, we rush in with our words. Too often we speak when we ought to be silent. Oh, there's a day for shouting. But silence always precedes the shout. Because silence helps you to contemplate. Contemplate on the fact that the battle is the Lord's. Contemplate on the fact of we're going about this warfare in a really strange way. This is not the way the world fights. Hmm. 
yeah, this is not the way the world fights. We need to be silent and contemplate the awesome, majestic being of God and the victory that God promises to you and I. Yes, we're engaged in a cultural battle. Yes, we're engaged in a cultural fight. It's a war. But we need to contemplate who the victor is. Who's in charge. Who God is. The being of God, the nature of God, the justice, the mercy, the love, the grace of God. To reflect upon God's ways and God's means. Silence. Silence. So Jeremy and Stacy, you made promises to raise and to train Aldrich this morning to know the Lord, to teach him about the Lord. Oftentimes we think that's all verbal. It's all the stuff we do. I think sometimes the greatest lessons we teach our children is the silence. Not the silent treatment. Just the silence. We don't have to say, we just see. My guess is there are several individuals in this room who remember walking into their home well past the time they should have been home, and there's mom. Doesn't say a word, but she's on her knees praying. That taught far more than words ever could. Sometimes our lives of silence are a better testimony than the words of anger that come from our mouth. Sometimes it's that godly example that we set. A godly example that's done in silence. But our children see, our children observe. And they learn. So it's okay not to be filling Aldrich's eardrums with all sorts of words over and over and over again. Sometimes it's good just to teach him in silence. Because the Lord teaches all his children that way. It's good. It's good to spend time in silence. But it's so hard for us, isn't it? It is so hard. We want noise. We want, we want something filling our ears. We can't even drive the road in silence. We've got to have something on. We've got to, we've got to listen because it's like we've got to be productive. You know, sometimes the most productive things we do are silence. As we think, as we reflect, as the Lord's Spirit touches our hearts. And then we shout. But it took 13 trips around Jericho of silence 
before the Lord said, now you can shout. Now shout. Thirteen times. May the Lord bless your silence this week as we prepare to shout. For if we shout on the first trip, no walls fall down. Maybe the church of Jesus Christ, rather than shouting, needs a good dose of silence. Maybe our heart, maybe your heart, needs a good dose of silence. Father, we begin our time of preparing for worship with a time of silent prayer. And if we're honest, Lord, there's times when if that goes beyond 20, 30 seconds, we get real uncomfortable because we're not used to that kind of silence. And yet, Father, that's what you call us to. Be still, the psalmist said, and know that I am God. Not sing a great big song, not fill your eardrums with all sorts of music. Just be still, be still, and know that I am God. Well, Father, we pray that as Jeremy and Stacy raise Aldrich, that they'll teach him well, that the words they use and speak will be well thought out words. But Father, use silence in their teaching also as we prepare, as we train another generation of warriors for the battle and the shout and the victory. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.